One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. You're currently listening to the free version of Let Me Talk. If you want longer, ad-free episodes, even earlier, head to lmtpod.com to find out how you subscribe. Let me talk! A blank midweek gives us the chance to stretch our legs around the Manchester City topics away from the pitch, and it seems like there's been a bit of movement in a few areas, so it's pretty nicely timed, thank you very much. You're listening to Let Me Talk, I'm David Mooney, with me is the Athletic City correspondent Sam Lee, hello Sam. Yeah, hello, alright. Um, yeah, it's been a, 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 after a summer of there not being much movement off the pitch. Um, it seems we've got some things to talk about, so um, yeah, let's crack on and, uh, and dive on in there. Um, I think the, the 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 most interesting one to start with uh, is uh, well, it's a combination of Nunes and Eze, isn't it? Um, the news has emerged that City are looking at both of them. Um, what's the situation at the moment then? Yeah, so yesterday, Tuesday, I sent you a voice note, didn't I, saying we could do some transfer stuff because. Yep. Basically, it got to the point where City were kind of not not so much are now because I think it is going to be Nunes. Um, but even yeah, yesterday, even Wednesday morning, still kind of deciding what they were going to do, and it it wasn't just it wasn't just players, but positions. And obviously, Eze and Nunes are not the same type of player. And you know, it's like when teams are looking for new managers and they're like, oh yeah, they want to interview Marcelo Bielsa and Rafa Benitez. It's like, what? hold on a minute, what do they want? <laughs> so it's not just like they're just trying to sign anybody, no matter what, get a midfielder in, come what may. Uh, they were t- basically trying to choose between, do they need somebody who's a bit more attacking or do they need somebody who's a bit deeper? And obviously not getting Pakatar has massively affected things because obviously they thought after you know a bit of a... By the end of the tour, it was a little bit like, okay, what what do they need to do? Guardiola, when we were in Seoul, was saying, depend, you know, it depends if we need wide players or inside players and who's going to go and what we need. And, you know, after they didn't get Rice and Gundogan left, it was, okay, they used Bernardo Silva in the middle. But then Mahrez left, it was, oh, maybe we need him out wide. And it's still kind of uncertain or had been uncertain up until very, very recently. Um, and they kind of now comes into the equation of what's going to happen with Cole Palmer, what's going to happen with Calvin Phillips. Um, obviously, they're going to sign Doku. That'll be sorted out what day we are now, Wednesday. So Thursday, by the looks of things, that was all sorted on, on Wednesday and, and will be confirmed. We'll do a bit more on but him then, a bit later on as well, yeah. Yeah, and then obviously, so there was going to be Pakatar, but now it's like, well, do they want a more attacking player? And I know it's kind of waffle already, but when I was having these conversations on Tuesday, it was just so much like... He goes, if this happens, then they'll have this player, this player, this player, this player. If this happens, they'll have this player, this player. This player. And it was like holding midfield and and more attacking. Um, but yeah, basically, it's kind of Palmer and, and Phillips related. 
um, and they had to decide between Eze and Nunes. I mean, so I had, I knew Eze was in the frame on Tuesday. That was in the voice note I sent you. What else it said was they're also looking at uh, a holding midfielder. And I think Ornstein has the name, but he hadn't said who it is. And obviously today we found out it was Nunes. Um, what Jack wrote in the mail about Eze, even though it looks like they're not going to sign Eze, is exactly what I would have done yesterday if I had been up well, yesterday, Tuesday, if it were up to me. Uh, he, he worded it in the exact same way that I would have done with the same info. I mean, I'm I'm cautious to sound like really arrogant and say, oh, what he's written is true, because, I mean, he obviously knows that. And all I can say is it's the same info as what I've got, but, like, I would have said exactly the same thing. Um, you know, City are kind of exploring it, all this bullshit transfer language, you know, but no approach yet. Um, Eze himself was aware of the interest, but knew it would be difficult. Um, you know, I think his people were very keen to make it happen. Um, you know, City had definitely, you know, considered it to the point where I don't know if it's already been triggered by Phillips or Palmer, but it's not going to be Eze unless something changes again, which I suppose you can't rule out. But then going into Nunes and him kind of being in pole position for the for the one it's going to be, it's interesting because... does that Does that suggest movement on Phillips then? Well, I mean, it does, but it also so what it what it definitely suggests. Well, not just suggests, but what it means first is that he can either play alongside or instead of Rodri in the deeper lion role, and it can free up Kovacic for the more forward thinking number eight role. So that's interesting how that's kind of shifted already because obviously Kovacic has looked pretty smooth in that deeper role, but it seems that. Yeah, with Nunes coming in, seemingly this is the plan. The Kovacic can concentrate on being moved further forward. And then that was something I only found out like an hour before we started recording. So I was like, look, that that's obviously not good for Phillips, is it? But I, I haven't got any, any major development on that other than, you know, I think, I think I've mentioned it on podcast during the summer. So even though it seemed, the Phillips thing has seemed dead all summer, hasn't it? Because we kind of established before last season ended that City would want to sell him but he had no intention of going anywhere and that seemed to be it we mentioned the Bayern Munich thing during the summer that was just reported in Germany saying they'd try at the end of the window kind of you know almost as if he'd, he'd realised that he's screwed um, I don't know if Bayern are going to try again I don't even know what's going on with Liverpool but if he's ever going to realise he's screwed then it's now because like he had very little chance of playing anyway we we could see that from the weekend with the way the Kovacic had just come in and done so well but now they're going to get somebody else in Above him, what chances he got? If he doesn't go, oh, I think it'd be stupid not to at this point. As much as it's really admirable, and look, you, ne- you never know, dear, because Zinchenko refused to go a couple of times, and look what he ended up doing. So, and he, but you know what we talked at the the end of last season. You know, there's this hypothetical scenario with Phillips where something happens in the start of the. The next season, you know, they don't get the players they want and like Rodri gets injured and he gets thrown in and he, he ends up excelling and, and great. But now we know more about it. Kovacic is coming, he can play in there. Nunes looks like he's coming in and he's going to play in there before Kovacic. Like he's so far down the list. It's like, you just got to go, mate. Like, I feel sorry for him, but it, I think he'd be mad to stay at this point. So that's, that's where it is with that. And on Palmer, again, I'm not sure, but I, my opinion yesterday was... I was like, well, he'll just go, won't he? Because I think he wants to. In fact, we did that podcast last week 
after the Super Cup, but before the mix zone quotes came out. And I think yeah. it was quite clear there that he talked about, you know, he, he wants to play, but he wants it to can play. be harder yeah, if yeah. they sign somebody. And obviously they're signing Doku, so that does make it harder. But it's not concrete info, you know, like the SA stuff was yesterday about the decision-making and what they need if he goes and what they need if he goes. and Because there's stuff like, oh, well, you know, De Bruyne is coming back in four months, so is there any point in buying somebody like Eze if he's not if he's going to be too expensive? Because price is obviously a big thing for City. Which remind me to come back to that. Um, you know, if they could sign Eze for like, it's, I'm almost speculating here, but based on what I was told, it's almost like if they could sign Eze for like fifty million, they'd just do it. But they don't want to spend eighty million and then have a problem later on when De Bruyne comes back and there's too many players. Like it, how they're working, especially if you're. I don't know if we've got many like cheeky skeptics listening to this podcast. It seems to kind of be a, a weird football Twitter thing, and I'm not sure what our audience actually is. I don't really think it crosses over with that too much. But the way that City have structured it um, and the way they're planning it is a bit like, well, just, just sign them both kind of thing. But just before we get on to that, Palmer, basically what it was suggested to me was like in, in Juan Marleo we trust in terms of Palmer. Like we've said before, yeah. they had a really close relationship, and it's almost as if the suggest. I don't know. I I don't know. Like I say, my personal opinion would be that he goes, but it seems like, um, or it, you know, it's been suggested or hinted or whatever that maybe he's gonna he's gonna stay and and they'll get some some use out of him. But I mean, we'll have to see with that. But obviously, it's more certain with with Nunes. But yeah, I just think the interesting thing, especially with two like really reliable city reporters on the same day, Jack and David Ornstein saying two different people. It can be a bit like, well, hold on, what's going on here? Um, but yeah, that that's why. It's because they were still basically at, at that moment when the first story came out at like midday or whatever it was, kind of still deciding what they were going to do. Um, and yeah, obviously it seems that Nunes is the one they've, they've gone for, but that everything that was written about Eze by Jack is exactly how, you know, how I heard it. And then, yeah, the next question that I had to ask, and I guess people have been, well, people have been asking me, and I guess people might be wondering is, would they sign both? And you think, I, I didn't really go into how convoluted it is, even though I've waffled on, I'm really, I'm sorry, there's probably a, a cleaner way I could have done this. But even though I didn't really deeply go into, you know, if so-and-so leaves, then they'll have these players. And it's, you know, it's like Rodri, Kovacic, Stones, Rico Lewis, Akanji for holding midfield, then further forward. And then it's like they're really concerned about the numbers. And, you know, the whole this whole decision-making process of, oh, well, if he goes, then they need this. If he goes, they need this. And they're really concerned about the numbers. I was like, why don't they sign both? And then the, the, the answer is kind of, in terms of, like, cheeky skeptics and also just, like, Pep being a weirdo, is so, like, it's so, like, difficult to get your head around because it's, like, basically the answer was... Cheeky likes to work calmly, like no pressure. Um, so it'll just be one. And the second one, and then I was like, well, Pep's always saying about, you know, the numbers. He's talked after the Newcastle game about they need to do something because they've had so many young players on the bench. And he was like, yeah, but Pep likes to have um, a small squad, but with quality players. And I was like, yeah, but you could have two extra, like, two extra quality players rather than one. He was like, no, he, he just wants, you know, like a small squad. I was like... It's just so weird. He was like, yeah, it's complicated. Like, it's just, it, it almost doesn't make sense. Um, so what it's happens, just a money thing. 
so what happens then? Like we're we're talking in the assumption that uh, like one of Phillips or Palmer goes. If they both go, is there not an option to get both of uh, of Eze and, and Nunes in? Is that not a doesn't seem like? I mean, again, look. I, the only reason I'm the only reason I'm saying it's it's still a that maybe is just because I don't want to say something and then the opposite, you know, pan out because either I was wrong or something changed. But from what I hear, no. And I was asking that yesterday and I've asked it again today. Um, no, exactly. But that's the thing. It's like, well, if Phillips and Palmer do go, <laughs> then you bring in two great players. You've got Kovacic, yeah. you've got Gradiol, you've got Doku. All of a sudden you think, and Bernardo's staying, obviously, with his new contract, Walker's staying. You think, hold on, this is a really good window in the end. Um because no, like, two, two out, one in is still a net loss. <laughs> it's like there's yeah. no other way around it. <laughs> yeah, well, again, I asked, I was like, again, like, what does it not just make sense to get both? And the answer was like, well, um, Walker and Bernardo were staying. And it's like, well, I know, but like, that, like you can still <laughs> they were already have enough here. players. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, yeah, I know. But it, I think they are really, like I said a minute ago, it's a money thing. What I mean is like, it must be a money thing because, you know, cheeky, it's almost like me saying to my boss, well, I could write, two articles on the big story of today but I, I'd rather only do one you know I'd, I would rather have the afternoon off like it, like Cheeky <laughs> can you not make like two negotiations at once like, obviously he can so I don't know if it was just a bad wording or whatever but obviously they just like to stick to their plan and we talk about leverage and stuff and I almost think because at the end of the day Phillips is I know they're th- talking about numbers but I hope you know what I mean by this but Phillips is almost irrelevant in the sense that would he really have played anyway? Like it kind of became clear yeah. at the end of last season that he was there and they needed the numbers, but he didn't play anyway. I know what you mean because I, I remember seeing earlier in the summer window that uh, like the opinion that if Phillips left, then uh, they would absolutely have to replace him. And I was just like, you, you don't really need to replace the guy no. who never plays. No, and it's like Laporte, isn't it? Like Laporte's going. I've written an article about it already. That hasn't come out yet, but it's like he's done so many good things for City. But the fact he goes. It's not the end of the world now because they didn't really miss it at the end of last season. And obviously they've got Guardiola anyway. But it's almost like, and I'll, this isn't what I was told because what I was told was, you know, if these players go, then they'll need Eze. Or if these players go, then they'll need Nunes, for example. But you look at it and you think, ultimately, if they signed Eze instead, they'd still have Kovacic and Rodri. And, you know, maybe Phillips. But if not Phillips, then Lewis and Stones and Akanji and all these people that have been told to me anyway. And if they got Nunes and not Eze, then they've still got Bernardo. They've still got Foden. They've still got Alvarez. Um, however you want to put it. So it's almost like, and this is a little bit based on info and a little bit putting two and two together, but it's almost as if it's going to be Nunes because of the leverage. So going back to Cheeky and how he likes to work, in the article I wrote about Doku, at the weekend, Chelsea and Tottenham kind of showed an interest. And Wren was sort of suddenly asking for like 80 million euros, 90 million euros. And City were like, well, this isn't going to happen. But fortunately for City, they'd done what they liked to do with, with everyone and what they did with, well, what they tried to do with Rice. Do you remember when we talked about Rice? And I said, I think they, they asked him to commit to City and say, I don't want to join Arsenal because then that, that shoots Arsenal out of the equation. And... City can just negotiate with West Ham without it being a bidding war, but obviously it didn't happen, and he went to West Ham, and City went, okay, forget it. Went to Arsenal. Um, but, oh, fuck, yeah. Yeah, well, whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to re-record that. You can just crack on. Um, 
And then you, you, you can see how fried I am with it all. This is mental. I hope this all makes sense. And then with Doku, obviously, Doku had said yes to City. And so even though all these other clubs came in and Ren were like, okay, great, well, this is going to be the price now. Doku was like, well, it's not. I'm only going to City. Obviously, City were delighted. They had been worried. And then they just went, okay, well, this is what we're going to pay you. He's only going to join us. And they managed to get that leverage in the 65 million euros, which is what, like 55 million pounds or something. So that's the kind of, the benefit there of getting that leverage, which they always like. And if you're looking at leverage at the moment, Wolves have got financial problems. That's why... Uh, Lopetegui went before the season started because you know he was told you could you could only sign free agents or whatever and then they were like oh, you can't actually sign free agents there's just no money at all so City can go and say well we know you don't want to sell him and there's obviously been a few reports around on on Wednesday afternoon about Wolves don't want to sell him but City do have leverage there but with Palace not quite so much so as much as it's about oh maybe they need this or maybe they need that I do also wonder if it's just about who they can get for cheaper um, and it's just like release clause FC, leverage FC. Uh, I, you know, I would have said up until if we had done this podcast yesterday, even this afternoon, I'd have said I think Eze and Verts, Florian Verts uh, at Leverkusen are options, um, but Verts isn't. I think just because too expensive and too difficult. Um, and it, I mean, it's not a case of not even trying because I guess they just if you get the. If you get the feedback that it's not possible, you you don't bother. But yeah, it it is funny, especially when it seems like and it's reported that they'd agreed eighty five million with West Ham for uh, for Pakatar. You think well, eighty five million pounds isn't far off hundred million euros. So, is Vert hundred million euros or not? But I mean, I guess we'll, we'll find out what happened with that. And also, if you got eighty five million, well, that's the that's the trap. Well, is, is this, fall into. Is this what, what you're saying about, about price? Rice, well, is this what you said yeah. about price being a big thing for City in that, um, like, just in in terms of of what they can spend and where? It's not necessarily a case of yeah, sure, you've got 100 million that you could drop on rice, so you yeah, could just yeah, try that, and drop that somewhere else. Exactly. I realised I fell into that trip immediately because I'd said earlier in the summer, didn't I? Just because they they were going to spend 100 million, even let's just say 95 million on rice, it doesn't mean that they will go and spend that on anybody, and. I think I said it about Alise, and in the end, there was obviously a release clause with with Alise, which I wasn't aware about. But it was like they didn't just because they like Alise, it didn't mean that they were gonna push the boat out. And just because they like Eze, and just because they were gonna spend eighty five million on Pakatar, doesn't necessarily mean that they would spend eighty five million on him. Like it is, it is about how City value players, and it is like it is very kind of stringent and strict how they work and to be fair for me as much as I'm kind of like some of this sounds mad you know not just pay the money or do a bit of extra work or you know whatever I'm not going to complain too much because well, I'm not going to complain at all because the way that Cheeky Bagheerstein's conducted business at City everything's kind of worked out well and I suppose his critics can say Guardiola's bailed him out of holes or whatever but I don't know that's business sometimes not every deal goes through and he's obviously played a He's done a hell of a job with a load of deals, Haaland being a, an obvious one. Gradiol, for example, everyone was panicking all summer and then they ended up getting him for much less than what um, Leipzig actually genuinely wanted. They did genuinely went, want way more than €100 million Euros and they, they didn't get near it. Well, they got, got near it, but under, certainly under what they wanted. Um, That's the leverage so thing is, of, again, though, isn't it? That's like they, exactly, because they, they had they a release got him, next yeah. summer. So, it, like, but this is it, like... Any player with a 
when it's an open negotiation and City, forget it really. Um, but I mean, look, and Kovacic, there was there was lever- leverage because Chelsea had a, an urgent need to sell. Um, but yeah, again, I get why, you know, people who say, you know, they just won the treble, they've got all this money, um, they should spend it. I, I do I do get that because, you know, if, if you saw the the Simon Jordan breakdown of how Chelsea are spending all this money and, you know, it's all basically amortised. And if you sign a player for... 100 million on a five-year contract and you pay 20 million a year so you know 20 million in this year's books and if you sell a player for 60 million you just get 60 million or you know less the transfer fee that you paid and if you sell a youth team player then you just get the whole profit so like City have got Kovacic and Guardiola up till now and then Doku but amortized over five six years of contracts and they've spent what with those three 170 million I'm not going to divide that by five off the top of my head because it's it's too much. But it's that's what like thirty odd, you know, sixty odd million spent this year in the books, and then you've got all the young players they did sell, so all that bank profit immediately. You know, they do have the money to spend, but yeah, I don't know. I, um, I'm not I'm not sure why they're kind of keeping their noses clean quite so much because it does seem, even by that clearly terrible economics, that are just kind of run you through in real time. They've definitely got space and ability to to do these deals and bring him on. But um, like I say, Pep kind of wants a, a small squad, but not too small. It's like the it's like the finding Haaland thing. Yeah. So you got to find Haaland, but don't do it at the wrong moment. It's like I want the squad to be small. Oh, not too small. We've got, but there's a couple of injuries, so I'm a bit pissed off. We need more numbers. It's like yeah, but not too many numbers. Yeah, exactly. It's he wants it to be small but not too small he wants it to be big but not too big and everything just has to be perfect and that's kind of the difficulty of working with Guardiola I guess but obviously in Cheeky they've got somebody who's not gonna who's not exactly trying to splash the cash on everyone either Coming up after a short ad break we'll be talking about Jeremy Doku's arrival at City and what he could bring to the squad see you shortly Let me talk is sponsored by you, the listeners. The best way to support the podcast is by subscribing via Memberful. You can pay as little as £2 per month, which gives you early access to all our podcasts ad-free, and they're packed with even more content. That gives you even more minutes of us to fill up your week. Subscribing is really easy, and the longer episodes will integrate seamlessly with your podcast app of choice, be it Spotify or Apple. Head over to lmtpod.com for more information on signing up and links to all of our socials. Now, uh, let's look at uh, somebody else who uh, we've touched on already is coming in. Um, I've been looking forward to this. Talk to me about uh, Jeremy Doku. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess everyone's kind of known by now. Just Well, everyone everyone who's been following the transfers on Twitter, it's almost old news, Doku. This is the mad thing with transfers, isn't it? Like, you've got somebody who's not even officially a City player yet, or at least announced. And everyone's like, oh, what's next, what next? But um, it's just so, so fast and so so good at dribbling. And he can shoot off... Well, he, he plays on both sides. He can uh, move onto the other foot and shoot off either foot. Um, 21 years old, I think. Was it, he, he attempted 11.1 take-ons per match. Well, put up per 90 last season in France with a 60% success rate. And if you, like, there was a, there's like a a plot graph in the article I did on The Athletic. In fact, it was from an article that Ahmed Walid did in The Athletic on Doku at the start of the summer. And it's like, you know when you used to see like graphs or if you ever saw graphs on 
on Messi and it would be like these are like all the playmakers in Europe for goals and assists or whatever and everyone would have like you'd have like I don't know Ibrahimovic and Luis Suarez and Aguero and whatever you know doing well and then Messi would be like so far off and you just think this is this guy's fucking on a different level like, yeah. this is mad like top, top right corner miles away yeah exactly that's exactly what Doku is for, for take on and take on success so you can have players who are doing it loads but not successfully but he's got a success a success rate that's almost higher than anybody else's, but doing it way more. So that's what you're getting from him. But obviously, we know a lot of. Well, we talked at the end of last season about the wingers are told in the first, you know, fifteen twenty minutes of games, don't take a man on, just to help City kind of establish themselves in the game. Just carry the ball up the pitch and then pass back inside and and be patient and yeah, help City control the game. So there's going to be that kind of adaptation for him to. To do, um, there's going to be, you know, there's times when I put in the article as well because there's a there's a, a Twitter clip of a goal he scored where basically he runs from the halfway line, takes everyone on and scores. I'll be like, there'll be times when he could do that when City are on the counter attack, but Guardiola probably wants him to just turn around and pass it back to Rodri because it's the same thing as Bernardo and and Haaland just before half time at Burnley. Could Bernardo play that ball through to Haaland and could Haaland take it past the keeper and score? Yeah. Definitely, but don't risk. Could it. it risk a counter attack at a stupid time in the game when, look, maybe other managers don't care, but Guardiola does, and it's Guardiola's show. So you got to do what he says. So Doku might be able to skin everyone and put it in the corner, but um, you know that might not be what the game dictates. So yeah, Guardiola's going to teach him all that stuff, and you know I've I've already been told that it might take him a year while he kind of gets his head around it like everybody else. Um, and look, I mean, he's had injury problems as well. I think the season before last. He was out for most of it. And then even last season, he only really took off from April onwards. He got five goals and two assists. And in that kind of hyper-positive way that people have in when they analyse footballers, it's like, okay, yeah, well, his career's taking off now. It's like, well, I hope it's taking off. Cause, but I mean, obviously, look, City know what they're doing generally when they sign players. I know we've just talked about Calvin Phillips. And that's a bit of a, an asterisk with that. Um, but yeah, it, it is exciting. Um and I suppose how it fits into the well, I, I was going to ask the room is how it fits into the the pacey wingers thing, but yeah, yeah I was going to ask. Well, I was going to ask how he differs from. I was going to put it a little bit more um, diplomatically and say how does he differ from the other options that City have? Uh, certainly wide up top because um, ultimately, you know, you look at the players they have. They're they're very controlled and they're very uh, make the what was it Guardiola says make the possessions longer. Yeah, well, he differs in the in the way that he's super fast and um, he is direct but I suppose he's similar in the way that he is a, like a, a ball to feet winger you know he's not I, I, I put this on Twitter earlier on and I think it was in the same way that you know when I was saying about Grealish he slows the game down and then after like a month or so I was like I need to stop saying he just slows the game down because he obviously does more than that he knows when to speed it up as well and I'm doing him a disservice by kind of putting in layman's terms that he slows the game down. But that's the difference. He knows how to slow it down. He knows how to speed it up. He regulates the, the tempo of games and all this kind of stuff. And then it was the same thing with the pacey wingers. I was like, it's not about pace, is it? Because Grealish is quick, but it's how he uses the ball. And now Doku is extra quick, um, but he is similar to um, Grealish and Mahrez. And this is a point that a lot of people have made in that, you know, he... He gets the ball to feet and he close control, but it's just the fact that, yeah, he does it so often. But if you kind of 
adapting to the city style and what I was saying before about, well, you should do it this time, you shouldn't do it this time, you should do it here, you shouldn't do it there, then, yeah, he is a lot more pacey and explosive. But ultimately, he's going to have he's going to have this understanding of if he wants to slot into a, a city team when they're playing against a low block who are trying to counterattack, he's he's not he's he's not going back to the Pep's not going to go back to the days of letting Doku bounce a, a pass off somebody and running behind and risk losing it. That's that's not the approach they're going to get. Yeah. He's going to have to adapt. But we've already talked about this, and Harlan said, you know. We're, we were expecting more teams to go man-to-man this season, bring it on. And we saw the team they picked against Burnley. It was a more direct team than you'd expect them to play, you know, against Everton at home, shall we say. And in those games, if there are more of them, then he's already kind of more readily suited to those. Um, but obviously, you know, the decision-making was still after, um, you know, get on get onto a wavelength. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I kind of backed myself into a corner by by saying Pacey in, 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 the, in the first place. But... Yeah, it's it's not so much about pace, but it's kind of how they use the ball, and it's it's like the it's like the Foden thing, isn't it? Like you would say, there's loads of similarities between Foden and David Silva in terms of they're really good in the pockets, really good on the half turn, you know, great eye for a pass, this kind of thing. But we know that Foden is more direct and he uses the ball differently, and it's like Doku does use the ball, even though there's like a broad similarity between, let's say, like Sterling and Sane and Doku. He, he, I think he's more he's more um, similar to Sterling in terms of his style, but I can I can even just imagine in my mind's eye now Sterling kind of playing the ball into David Silva, let's say, and then running him behind, and then they put that ball across goal for a tapping at the far post. Like that's just not how City came to use their wingers, and I, I'm not I'm not sure that that's what they're going to get Doku to do too often. Yeah. Um, but look, I mean, I don't have to defend, defend myself too much. We know last season was built on patience and control of matches and using the wingers and stuff. And most of City's games, a lot of City's games, will be against those teams where patience is, um, you know, the the the, the order of the day basically. Yeah. And again, while I've been having these conversations about transfers and what these new players bring, including Doku, I was like, well, you know, Pep's not going to just start going direct and you know trying to run 100 miles an hour at a brick wall when they've got these defensive teams up against them is he? he's like no it's still going to be about patience so yeah I mean you you say that as well but like the we saw in the Burnley game when they went man to man um, like he had he had basically um, Edison looking for Haaland over the top and there's no reason why suddenly you've got Doku there with a like again without painting it into the corner of pace but that's one of the options there. You've got so much space in behind yeah. there. If Edison's holding it's it and holding it and holding it, it's it's something to hit, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's it's just another option in the squad. Like it's he's another option that is capable of doing what they'll probably do in what seven games out of ten. Yeah. Um, but there is another option, and also like in those seven games, it's not like he's never going to be able to use that dribbling. Like I say, it's just about using it at the right time. And if all of a sudden. Maybe next season, you know, some, probably at some point this season, but probably more consistently next season and beyond. If he, you know, if he's using that, well, it's like Grealish, isn't it? We said one of the things Guardiola wanted Grealish to do was when the team were set up and when he had kind of held onto the ball and everyone got in position, then he could like take that risk. He could take that gamble and not worry about losing the ball. He could take the man on because if he does lose the ball, everyone's behind him. 
to um, to mop up and try and make the tackle and counter press and all this stuff. Everyone is in position, so we can take that risk. And it's going to be the same with Doku. Like you've you've done what you need to do. You've you've been sensible. You've laid that groundwork for yourself. Now you can show everyone what you can do. Now and obviously, like I mean, just well, I, mean, I think it's probably fair to say he's a better he's a better dribbler than Grealish, um, but he's a better dribbler than a lot of people. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. When the time's right to take somebody on, he can go. He can go inside. He can go outside. Um, he's he's going to be a hell of a weapon. But yeah, um, he's he's not going to be coming in. Well, maybe he will at first, but he's not going to be coming in for long. And just trying to freewheel it and take people on left, right, and centre because he won't be starting un- until he learns when to do it and when not to. But w- once he fully gets it, it could be could be a hell of a player. But again, with the injuries, they're going to have to. You know, I know they pulled out all the stops for Haaland because he's like a thoroughbred horse, isn't he? And he's like the whole, the whole kind of jewel in the crown of the whole city empire, apart from Pep. And they need to look after him. But they're going to need to look after Doku as well, seemingly, because he's had those injury problems as well. Yeah, I've got, I've got full confidence that they'll be able to do that. That's the sort of thing where if they're like if they're aware of it in the in the first instance, then and they're still going ahead with it, then they'll have a plan for it. So, yeah, um, there's uh, I don't think there's much to worry about there. Um, I also want to chuck in a couple of things you said about Doku in um, your piece. A couple of quotes: uh, Thierry Henry. Um, when you're one on one with him, there's only one thing left to do, and that's pray. Um, and uh, Kylian Mbappe as well. Recently, I was speaking to my father about a player who impressed me because of his speed qualities. That is Doku at Ren. Um, yeah. Can't really get better praise that from two the two uh, two players in that position, can you? Yeah, exactly. It's exciting. It's exciting. Um, yeah, he's raw, and that, that was the thing. Like me, me coming on and saying, "Oh yeah, well, yesterday I knew about Eze, and I knew what they're going to do with this." You'd be like, "Oh yeah, of course," but I. About Doku, I had no fucking idea. You know, when I saw Doku's name mentioned, I was in the Gardens by the Bay in Singapore, and I went, "Surely not. He's not. You know, he's not the right. He's not the right type of player. Not the right profile. Looking, yeah. From what I remembered, yeah. From what I remembered of him, but I mean, I've looked at him and go, oh, actually, I, I can, I can see what what they what they think with that profile. Um, but yeah, it's just he is, he is exciting. Those quotes kind of sum it up. Those quotes, those quotes have been used in every kind of profile. Going, you would though, wouldn't you? Yeah, um, <laughs> you would. You just got, yeah, you've, you've got to do it. Like it's just, it's an open goal, um, and yeah, um, his highlights look good. He's obviously very exciting, but um, yeah, he is, he is, he is pretty raw still. But again, you give a, you give a talent like that to Guardiola, and it's very exciting. Um, and it's the same. Like it's a bit of a shame with Eze actually, because I think Eze and Pep would be a great, a great match. But if that doesn't happen, it's, it's a bit of a shame. But you never know because. Um, He's got two years left on his contract. I don't think he's going to sign a new one. So I'm not going to say that City will go back in next summer. Um, but it, it wouldn't be a massive surprise if they did, would it? Yeah. I mean, look, he could go anywhere by then. You know, they, Loads of other clubs would be after him if he's got one year left on his contract. But again, leverage FC, um, depending on how the squad shapes up during the, the summer and what happens with De Bruyne, you know, maybe De Bruyne doesn't come back from his injury too well and they start thinking, OK, we need to replace him or... I don't know. Maybe, maybe these these phantom Alvarez rumors come off, and he somehow goes to Bayern Munich or something. You know, whatever. Um, it wouldn't be the it wouldn't be the biggest surprise in the world if City go for Eze. But yeah, I'd be excited to see him. Also, like if they'd signed Eze and Doku and Kovacic and to a lesser extent Guardiola, you've got four players there all of a sudden really good at beating a man. And we said before, based on that conversation I had with Nadum in Madrid, that City, that's not really something City have in terms of a player who can break a line by themselves just by carrying it. Suddenly they would have had four there. Um but I mean even even with um 
even without Eze. They've still added that. We've seen that with Kovacic. Um, I need to see Nunes. Maybe he does that as well. I honestly have to say I'm, I'm not sure. Um, but with Doku as well, that that's really interesting. So there, there's definitely new things being added to the City team. And I mean, we're not there yet because God knows what's going to happen with Nunes. I guess they sign him. But um, yeah, we're going to have to, like you say, it's still a kind of net loss. Off. With, there's been so many plans and new plans and players staying and players leaving. It's it's hard to work out, if, keep track and think if this has been a a good window or not for City. But I think if they get Nunes and, and obviously Doku, which which is going to happen, as well as Kovacic and Gradiol, it that feels... Because for me, I was wanting that post-treble kind of, okay, get a refresh, get some new blood in. And that's four, four exciting players that are, are going to add something new. And obviously, you didn't really want Gundogan to go, but he had to go so fine. And Mahrez is gone. So you've got two players moved on there and... Yeah, it's probably the perfect balance, isn't it? It's probably yeah. the perfect balance because Bernardo stayed, right. Walker stayed. If they'd have gone, that would have been a, a like almost a big, too much big, yeah, upheaval. Big, yeah. But they're staying and you've got four new faces. It's probably all right, that. That is it for the free version of Let Me Talk. There is more if you subscribe on Memberful. Uh, Sam, what are we talking about for members this week? We are talking about Guardiola's surgery and Bernardo Silva's new contract. That's all for members. Those ad-free episodes are longer and they're out earlier. You can find out more on lmtpod.com. If you want to send us an email, it's hello at lmtpod.com. We're also on Twitter, Instagram and TikTok, so just search for lmtpod on there. Thank you very much for listening. We will see you next time.